0: Okay, Michael. So the purpose of our our uh, program this morning is to try to go to go through as best we can uh, the apparition at Knock. So maybe you can give us a bit of background, Michael, as to as to maybe Knock, maybe around the time of the operation.
1: Yeah. Well, John, you see, Knock, according in eighteen seventy nine. At that time, Ireland was still in the aftermath of the famine, you know, the Great Famine from forty five to fifty two. Yeah, and I suppose just to remind ourselves, like, it's still distressing to read about this, John, You know, one million people died in Ireland at that time. Well over another million, between a million and a million and a half, immigrated. And the population of the country dropped by almost 25%. And, you know, it's it's still frightening to read those facts, but they're facts. I don't think people
0: would even comprehend that these days. You know, one million million died and one and a half million emigrated.
1: That's right. And, you know, I suppose the history books will tell us that the famine ended in 1852. But mm-hmm. still, up to, and up to, including 1879, there were still sporadic failures of the potato Cup, which caused, you know, g- great problems for the people because they were dependent on the potato. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I suppose, John, at the time was that Ireland was still in the grip of landlordism. You know, yeah. evictions were commonplace. The people that to pay rents to the landlord, they had no money, of course, because they had no income. Mm-hmm. And if you couldn't pay the rent. Your, the battering arm arrived, and your family were plowed on the road. And you can just imagine, John, the cold, damp, wet climate where you fear, the hardship that caused the people at the time. Like, you know, living conditions were just unimaginable compared to today. And that's
0: women and children. It's not just men. Oh, yes. It's women and children they as were well.
1: Out on the road, that had nowhere to go in most places.
0: And no way of assistance, no, no food.
1: No, they really. got a little help here and there, but they were so weak. Mm. Very often what happened, John, maybe one person died in the house, and the rest were too weak to even to take them to bury them. And yeah. then disease spread within the family. And it was it was a cool time in Ireland, that's all I can say.
0: And I suppose the other bit of context to mm. that too would be for, for 300 years, uh, mm. they weren't allowed even to practice their faith no. in Ireland up to about 1829, I think it was, when they had this famous uh, act of emancipation or whatever they called it, where people were just allowed very grudgingly, yeah. I think, to practice their faith. But it's
1: amazing, John, right throughout history, Faith always thrived in those conditions. It, 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 yes. It's hard to imagine it, but it did. But I think they, I think this is important
0: to sort of mention mm-hmm. this in the context of what you're going to tell us That's about right. the actual apparitions and so on and so forth. That the people, even though they were starving of maybe material things, yeah. they still had the faith.
1: Well we have to look at our local mass talk, maybe up in Ashford, John, you know. That's right. They said there's people that went to Mass there in the hills and mm-hmm. there was a place the and the h priest head, you know, those days. But yeah, we'll just move on a small maybe, bit, maybe, okay, John, yeah. from that. Mm-hmm. The other thing we must look at in the background of Nock is the life of <sighs> the parish priest of Nock, Archdeacon Cavanagh.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: This man, you know, he's central to the whole story of Nock. And his family had been evicted from Carlow under Cromwell. And, you know, they were sent at the time to hell or the connoct. That's what we learned in our history books. And Archdeacon Kavanagh was born in North Galway <clears throat> in 1821. And he was ordained in 1846 you know, just at the height of the famine he was already in. So he saw the, the worst of the famine. You know, the Black Famine the year was 1847. And when he was appointed, first he was into Westport in Mayor. And, you know, reading his story, John, he, ta- he says that very often before his breakfast in the morning, he anointed as many as 40 people. Wow. That'll just give you some indication how many people were dying around him at the time. That was before he ate his breakfast in the morning. He had a 40 people anointed. Yeah, when he united people, now, that was the last rites John. It wasn't the sacrament, you know, today we put the emphasis on yes. the sacrament of the sick? But, you know, they were literally the last rites for those people.
0: And this was everybody.
1: Yeah, it was incredible, like, how many mm. people were dying mm-hmm. around mm. this man. But, you know, he was so concerned for the poor and for the, you know, the starvation of the people that he even sold his horse. He'd nobody get known. He sold the horse. to make. Way. He sold his watch, even, this man it. You know, he was an extraordinary man. But... He was appointed Paris priest of Knock in 1867. And, of course, Knock was probably heaven to him compared to what he left in Westport. Mm -hmm. But very quickly he became known for the extraordinary sanctity of his life and his devotion to the ever-immaculate Mother of God. That's the title he gave Our Lady, the ever-immaculate Mother of God. And, of course, his other great devotion was to the holy souls in purgatory. uh, His concern for the souls that died, you know, was so great that... On the 14th of May, 1879, he started to say 100 consecutive Masses for the Holy Souls in purgatory. I had that, yeah. Yeah, and he made this public that he was saying these 100 Masses. The people were so poor, John, he got no donation whatsoever for saying these Masses. This came from his own heart. And he finished the 100 Masses on the morning of the 21st of August, 1879, the day of the apparition in Nock. And... You know, I think everybody, John, you know, believes that this offering of 100 Masses was directly you know, related to the apparition later that evening. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I, and I mean, that man was able to do this, maybe, um, I'd say, really without any help from anybody else. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, the nearest priest would have been probably miles away at this particular stage. And then, of course, when the apparition happened... This is the man on the ground. This is the archbishop, And it's very hard for maybe a priest to react yeah.
1: to something. Well, if you ask any priest or bishop today, John, the last thing they want in their parish or their yes. diocese is an apparition because <laughs> right. it just causes so much trouble. Just, yes. But this man was ready for it. Do you, know, you would believe, John, this man actually wore a hair shirt as penance? When life itself was actually a penance. Getting, struggling through the day to get enough food was a penance. But he wore a hair shirt for extra penance. Wasn't there some
0: faith? And I, yeah. I mean, it seems to be so incomprehensible compared to today. Because I know later on we will speak about the apparitions and the way people used to travel. Mm-hmm. And now these days, like, yes. we even complain if we're in an air-conditioned bus for an oh, hour and a half to get there. But sorry, anyway, we're in. Yeah.
1: Just S- one other little thing, John. When Knock Church was completed in 1828... It was a very prophetic inscription on the west wall of the church, and it was from Matthew 11: My house shall be a house of prayer to all the nations. And how prophetic that was! Could so anyone have believed that's from Matthew? Sorry, Matthew 11. Okay. Could anyone have believed at that time, John, that foreign nations would be flying into the air, into the airport in Knock, to worship God above in Knock?
0: Yes, very prophetic, wasn't it?
1: Fairly prophetic.
0: It okay, so then we come to the upper, So then we come to the apparition.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The twenty first
0: of August? Twenty first of August eighteen
1: seventy nine. It wasn't a sunny day, I believe. No, it was pouring rain. Mm. And the witnesses tell us that the wind was from the south and it was blowing the rain against the southern you know, the southern gable against of the church. The gable, yes. Against the gable of the church. And <coughs> Mary McLachlan, she was the priest housekeeper, and Mary Bodden you they came to lock up the church roughly around seven thirty in the evening. Okay. And this is what they tell us. Yes, sir. And I'll just quote you on the official mm, account of the apparition. mm. They said, Our Lady, St. Joseph, St. John the Evangelist, appeared at the south gable of the church. Mary wore a large white cloak fastened at the neck. Her hands and eyes were raised towards heaven in posture of prayer. On her head was a brilliant crown, and where the crown is fitted to the brow was a gold rose, On her right was St Joseph, head bowed and turned slightly towards her as if paying his respects. He wore white robes. On Mary's left was St John the Evangelist, dressed as a bishop, with a book in his hand and his right hand raised as if preaching. Beside the figures, and a little to the right of centre of the gable, was a large plain altar. On the altar stood a lamb, facing the west, and behind the lamb, a large cross stood upright. Angels hovered round the lamb during the apparition. This is the account of they tell us What happened? Now, when they came towards the gable, John, the first thing in the north was this brilliant light. Mm. And then, they saw, of course, I suppose there's great devotion to Our Lady in Ireland has been right through the centuries. Mm. The first thing they arrived to was Our Lady. Uh, yes. But real significance, John, is the lamb on the altar. Mm. It's, um, you know, it's hard to believe it, John, it's the only place in the world that the Lamb of God has ever That's appeared. That's right. But just maybe a little bit still about the apparition before we go about into the, app- the yes, meaning yeah. of it.
0: <coughs> we might do that for the second part, yeah.
1: Yeah, the, um, there was 15 witnesses in total.
0: That's right, there was 14 and then there was a farmer in the field, wasn't yeah. there? Some. some, and some yeah.
1: even at a distance, other people saw the light and yes. the church and they were wondering yeah. what the light was. But the youngest was John Curry. he was only five, he was only a little boy. Mm. And the eldest was um, Bridget Trench. She was 74. 74, yeah. So there was every age in between represented. Good few people in their 20s, 30s, 50s, 60s. You know. So 15 witnesses. And the apparition lasted about two hours in pouring rain. And another extraordinary thing was that even though it was raining heavily, the ground around the apparition was totally dry. That's right. And yeah. the wind was blowing the rain in that direction. So, so the it, ground it was,
0: should have been completely... It should have been soaking. In, yeah, yes. It
1: should have been soaking. Now... <coughs> Bridget Trench, she went up to the vision. This is the 74-year-old. 74-year-old, oh, right? And um, she went down on her knees to kiss Our Lady's feet. That's right. Which she admitted there was nothing there.
0: There was nothing there. No, there was nothing but, there. But, but her faith drew her there.
1: It did, yeah, it did.
0: But when she returned back, I believe, she returned back to say the rosary. Oh, yes. And she felt great comfort in saying the yeah. rosary.
1: Yeah. The, the visionaries kept the rosary going the whole time during the apparition because that was their prayer, like, you know, yeah. the rosary was their prayer. And I suppose one other thing, um, there was no word spoken in the vision at Nock. Mm-hmm. You know, we went to a Fatima with a big long list of with messages. This? We couldn't the even list. get them into the program. That's you know, right. That's right. Yes. messages, with messages. But God spoke in the silence of Nock. And we have to look into the vision and study it to see, you know, where is the message in Nock? And just one other little thing. nobody saw the apparition, arriving in Noch, uh-huh. and nobody started leaving. Okay. And the reason nobody started leaving was that there was an elderly woman across the road from the church, and she was bedridden. But when she had the, the apparition, <coughs> she dragged herself as far as the door, she collapsed at the door, and they all ran across the to help her. When they arrived back, the vision had disappeared. vision had disappeared. Yeah.
0: So I think what we do, we just might take a break here. Uh, and maybe come back in the second part, which might be the, opportun- the opportunity then maybe to go into a bit more detail with- in The Lamb and so on and so forth with The Lamb. But there was one piece of music you brought with us, uh, brought with you yourself today, Michael, and it's from it's by Dana mm-hmm. uh, from her album A uh, Lady of Nut Collection. It's, in- it's entitled St. Joseph's Song. So yeah. we
1: might just... I, will, I, I love this, John, because, you know, we don't hear too much about St. Joseph. And still, he's a very central figure in our whole salvation yeah. history, St. Joseph is. But he's the quiet one that we don't hear much about. And he doesn't say much either. So I think it's lovely to honor him with this song.
0: Thank you very much, Nate for bringing that through. And so now we will go with this one by Dana. It's entitled St. Joseph's Song.
3: A child to be a man, a man whose life my freedom.
0: Welcome back to the second part of Sacred Space here in West Limit 102 My name is John Keeley, and I'm joined today by Michael Keating, and we're going through, or should I say Michael is going through uh, the apparition of Knofrara. So Michael, just in the first section there, we got as far as going through the act uh, you know the apparition itself and uh, the the witnesses, the fifteen uh, the fifteen witnesses. Uh, so there's certain aspects about the apparition that you'd like to speak about, Mike. maybe the first one is the lamb, I believe.
1: Yeah, I suppose as you look at the vision in Nock, John, the centre of the vision is actually the altar with the lamb on the altar. Yeah, and of course this is very scriptural, John. You know, this is mm-hmm. you know the lamb. We've heard about it since the Old Testament. You know, the Passover lamb. Mm-hmm. And you know, and John has the the book of the Gospels open. So if you look mm-hmm. at the book of the Gospels in John chapter uh, one verse twenty nine, first thing we hear is there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Okay. So that comes straight out of Scripture. This image of the mm-hmm. lamb. Mm-hmm. And you know, that statement was so important, John, that it's repeated at every mass that was ever said since. That's right. And I know I mm. read about a Protestant there last year, Professor Scott Hander went to Mass, and when that was said at Mass, that prayer was said at Mass, it just blew him away, he said. Yes, it he is. converted straight, out straight Because away. he knew to straight out of the, mm-hmm. the scripture. And of course John also wrote the book of the apocalypse and knock is apocalyptic. It's straight out of the book of the apocalypse. The, the visionaries wouldn't have known what they were describing. no, they wouldn't have done. Um, 28 times in 22 chapters in the Book of the Apocalypse John mentions the Lamb so it's right from start to finish it's, he talks about the one sitting on the throne and the Lamb he doesn't call him Jesus in the Book of the Apocalypse The Lamb so it's the it's okay. Lamb the whole time and you know Book of the Apocalypse chapter 19 verse 9 it says blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb and this is the actual vision that the visionary saw in the wedding feast of the Lamb mm-hmm. and of course it reminds us of the Mass also John the yes. Lamb of God and the altar is you know intrinsic with the mass. We can't get away from the, right. the mass. And this brings us back to the hundred masses that Archdeacon Kavanaugh offered. And you know, I suppose only God the Lord knows how many souls that man sent to heaven with his one well, hundred masses. Because of him, yes. And that's the vision that those souls saw in heaven. So we actually had a piece of heaven on earth in knock during the apparition.
0: That's a beautiful expression there,
1: Michael. I like that's that. That's the best way I can mm, put it, mm, John I suppose. Nice. Very nice. Um and of course you had to be a cross behind the altar then, which that's is the right. victorious cross of the lamb. And I think I said before, it's the only place in the world that the Lamb of God ever appeared.
0: That's right, that's right. And then after alongside the Lamb, of course, then then you had Saint John. Yeah. And he holding
1: Yeah. John was holding the book of the Gospels. Mm. No we don't know what page was open. It would be lovely to know what page was <laughs> open. i sure yeah. I think two divisionists tried to climb up on something to see what you know, page was open, but right? they couldn't yeah. see if yeah. what page was open. But we know enough, John, that he wrote to you the fourth gospel. I, he did. And the book of the Apocalypse. And the book of the Apocalypse. So yeah. we have enough in that. If we yes. study those, we'll be doing fairly well. Yeah. Sure would, but John and you know, In all his writings, Jesus, for John, is the Lamb of God. He keeps referring to the Lamb of God, this very important title mm-hmm. he gives mm-hmm. Jesus. And I suppose it you know, brings us back to the mask engine. Mm-hmm. The book of the gospel has been opened, the gospel right. read, and the word of God being proclaimed to us. And he's preaching as a bishop, he's his two fingers up in the air and he has the bishop's mitre on, but he's a mitre of the Eastern Church, he's a in, small a smaller one. Small yes. Mitre yes. Read, yeah. yes. So I suppose a little lesson here for us, John, you know, to get into the scripture, to listen to the word of God.
2: Hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And so that's so that's John. So, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure this is all all sort of going to tie in in the end. Mm -hmm. And then our lady, of course. I mean, our lady was
1: during the apparition. John, our lady's eyes are raised towards heaven. Now her two hands are up to her shoulders, and she seems to be praying as a priest would pray during the Eucharistic prayer at mass. You know the way the priest raises his hands during mass, John. Yes. That's the way our lady is praying, and when I I you know, got into this, John, and was thinking about this. You know, I said, what is Our Lady doing? Interceding? She's praying. Yes. And I said, who is she praying for? Uh, who is she praying to? Yeah. She's praying to the victorious Lamb, yes. the Lamb of God, her yes. son, Jesus Christ, yes. beside her. And who is she praying for? She's praying for all her children, John. Yes. We are included. I'm sure the people at the time, you know, they were suffering so much. Our Lady was interceding for those people. And mm-hmm. Our Lady always intercedes f- you know, for us.
0: And, of course, these people themselves would have obviously recognised that because they had the faith, they would have known that Our Lady was praying.
1: And she is wrapped in total contemplation of the Lamb of God. You know, she's turning slightly towards the Lamb, Mm -hmm. but her eyes are raised towards heaven. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's praying for them. And, of course, she's inviting us to do the same, John. Yes, yeah. To contemplate the Lamb of God and to pray to Jesus.
0: And all the time... All the people who were there to sign the rosary. Oh, yes, they were saying the the rosary rosary
1: all the time, yeah. And you see, she always comes in time of trouble as Wiljan. You know, Fatima during the First World War, Major Gori during Mm -hmm. the war in Bosnia. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. our lady is always there for us. And of course, she also appeared with a crown on her head. You know, she was crowned Queen of Heaven. And of course, that's straight out the book of the Apocalypse again. It tells us about the woman clothed with the sun standing on the moon and on her head a crown of 12 stars. And Mm of course, in that too, she as you know, she also represents the church. So that's basically it about our religion. We, we can't stay. We can't stay.
0: Yeah. because unfortunately, Michael. I, I should have recognised you, or and I should have even asked one or two to give us the extra hour, knowing the Michael's coming in. But anyway, we we'll got. We'll, we'll go on. Saint Joseph was there.
1: Yeah, I think it's lovely to see. I Saint think Joseph it's lovely there, to see yeah. Saint Joseph there. I mean, we sometimes I, forget about Saint Joseph. You know, and Saint Joseph, you know, we don't have recorded what. Well, maybe he had to. The angel appeared to him in the Gospel. We don't have much about St. Joseph in the Gospel. But he was wearing a, a white robes and he appeared with his hands joined in prayer. Now, his hands were different to Our Lady. His hands were joined as we would join them okay. in prayer, John. And he was bent slightly towards Our Lady as if he was paying her respect. Respect, yes. Yeah, that's what he was doing. So uh, he's inviting us to venerate Our Lady, the Mother of the Church, Queen of Heaven, as he was doing that apparition. So he wants us to venerate Mary, the mother of God
0: And of course he lived as the husband of our lady for, right. uh, for, for years And the foster father of and the foster Jesus, father of Jesus.
1: Right. Yes. And of course your people always paid to St. Joseph for a happy death as well
0: That's right and he's also the patron of the church He is one, yeah, the it? patron of the church Yes, yeah. right, And uh, and really uh, that's about the only time that St. Joseph um, appeared in an apparition well, I don't do know, we, know if, do maybe know? there is
1: another one John I don't know uh, of any other place he appeared Yeah so Knock so is unique, John, in our this Lady, world, Lord, in the um, whole world b- is Because when she came, you know,
0: mm-hmm. you know, she came with Joseph, she came with John and she came with the Lamb.
1: Well, you see, when she appeared there, it says, John, she came alone. When she came to Ireland, came to Knock, she brought the whole family <laughs> Stiff, with her. She brought the whole family with her. She brought the husband, the son and the beloved disciple with her. Fantastic. And then, of course, um, this, this brilliant, I mean, this was all surrounded by brilliant light. Yeah. It was, John. And I'm sure, you know, it was 21st of August, a wet, damp Irish evening. The light must have been failing about nine o'clock at that stage. But as the book of Revelation again tells us, John, there is no need for lamplight or sunlight because the Lord God will be shining on them. This was a heavenly light. Mm. The light was coming from the Lord himself. That's
0: powerful, Right.
1: And and then wasn't there angels there as well, Michael? The angels were circling around (coughs) the altar. And, of course, this brings us into the whole concept of angels. There's so much to be studied in Nock, John. It's mind-boggling. Mm. And, I, and I found the more I read about Nock, the more I needed to read about it. <laughs> yes. You know, it keep going on and on and on. And, of course, the angels are mentioned in the in the scriptures as well. You know, the presence of angels. And, <clears throat> you know, the Book of the Apocalypse. They're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, God of hosts. This is what we have at Mass, John. You know, when we sing Hosanna in the highest. Mm. Again, the connection with the Mass, connection mm. with Heaven. They're mm. singing that in Heaven. We're also singing it every mass we go to, John.
0: So, when this happened, uh, and these visionaries, uh, these people, and they're witnessing this, Hmm. at some stage now, they would have probably gone to tell the Archdeacon. Yeah.
1: Well, Knock was blessed, of course, with this Hmm. parish priest. This man was extraordinary, this parish priest. He was extraordinary. He believed in the apparitions from the word go. Now, In most operations, John, the priest is the last person to believe because he has to test it. As you mentioned, yes, The bishop has to test it. Mm. But this man, it seems he was having heavenly visions himself, John. There's some wonderful stories told about him. You know, in his own little cottage he was having heavenly visions. So he wasn't a bit surprised with this. So he recorded everything from day one. And this was invaluable to the bishop after when he set up a commission of inquiry. And within... The first year, John, this man had fully recorded all the details of 300 cures within the first year at Knock. What happened was a woman from Clare Morris and Mrs. Gordon, she brought her daughter, Delia Gordon, to Knock. She was 12 years of age and she was suffering terribly with her ears. Mm-hmm. She brought her to Mass. So during the Mass, the pain was so violent, the child started to cry, she couldn't hold She was in a terrible state. So she had to take her out of Mass. And she came around the back of the church where the apparition was. And just, I suppose she was inspired by God, she picked a little plaster off the wall, Mm -hmm. she put it in the child's ear, and the child was perfect. Wow. So, do you think there was cows coming to knock before that, John? Mm. This started the stampede to knock. And this was
0: when now, Mike? Was this soon? This was
1: ten days after the apparition. Ten days after it. After the apparition, it was. So this was, you know, everything happened to knock very fast. No, compared to other apparitions.
0: Yeah, because uh, even the, even this uh, this commission was mm-hmm. set up, what was it,
1: within six yeah, weeks, was yeah. it? But if I could say one other thing yeah, about sorry, yeah. the, the plaster from the wall. Yeah. yeah. You know, these are Ash Deacon's cavernous words. He said, when the cement that is near at hand has been entirely picked away, the mortar is rooted out from between the stones, and then the stones themselves are detached. And in a few days, a large hole appears in the wall. Oh. A second hole soon <laughs> appears. So this <laughs> poor man... He, had it the to support. Left? <laughs> <laughs> he was looking had the church left because uh, the people were picking away the plaster and they took so much plaster, the wall was literally in danger of collapsing. So he had to put little sheets of timber up along the wall. Yeah. So the people then, what they did was they hung their crutches and their sticks off the doors when they were cured. And yes, the witnesses yes. recorded as many as six people simultaneously being cured in Knock. You know, the amount of cures were unbelievable, John and Nock. And I mean,
0: you know if you can just imagine I was just trying to imagine myself that if I was anywhere near that scene or or at that scene that particular evening mm-hmm. it, it's it's hard maybe for the human being to be able to to stay and witness that mm-hmm. you know you you need an awful lot of faith mm-hmm. with you and encouragement from Our Lady maybe and nice from age, yeah. from Saint joseph yeah. and then uh, I, I was just reading the the first pilgrimage.
1: Well, believe it or not, John, the first pilgrimage was from Limerick That's in right.
0: 1880.
1: 1880, The Redemptus Fraternity, wasn't
0: it? That's right, the, yes, from okay. the Redemptus Church in in the 24th of March, 1980. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Archb- Archdeacon uh, Kavanagh gave his sermon there, mm-hmm. you know, which, again, he mentioned, just as you said, he said... That our lady had not come alone, she brought with her her husband, her beloved spouse, and Saint John the beloved Apostle, who rested on the bosom of the Lord at the Last Supper. Just mm-hmm. as you were saying there, you know that that connection there, uh, and and the cures of Knock. I was just mm-hmm. reading something else there, Mike. If I just got in for a second there, just on this book that somebody gave me, um, it's the a venerable Archdeacon Cavanagh. But he just mentioned there about, if you don't mind me, just sort of recording this for a second. We are also indebted to the late Miss M. Hartigan of Limerick County on a way, uh, for her, way, her very vivid accounts of the pilgrims who in the old days on the way from the south of Ireland called frequently at a country home for a night's rest. The memory of one such pilgrim remained clearly in my mind. It was the case of an elderly man who had a large, very unsightly growth on his neck, extending to his chest. With the man was a young lad who assisted him on the way. As he was very weak due to to the ailment she and other members of the family saw him setting out for knock leaning heavily on his stick and a pair of rosary beads on the other hand some weeks later the same pilgrim on his return from knock called at the house again and spent the night there she remembered the excitement of the household when she saw that unsightly swelling had completely disappeared he was cured while making a station at knock and I, nice. I, I, I praise the Lord. I, 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 I was just looking at some of these things today, and I thought, it would, "Do we really accept or believe ourselves that miracles happen in Knock?" I mean, I'm living in Ireland. You're living in mm. Ireland. How often do we ever mention about it? It's
1: they're mi- still happening. Knock. They still happen. And in later oh. on, maybe we we'll might, if we get time, we'll talk with Marion Cattle, who was healed recently at Knock.
0: Yeah. Well, you can tell us about that one yeah. now, if you like. Yeah. No. As we're on the cures. Okay.
1: Marianne Carroll is from Athlone, and this is a very recent event at Nocturn, You know, recent, you know, because not happened in 1879. But she was diagnosed with MS in 1978 after several years, John of illness She had been very sick for a long, long time. She'd lost the use of her legs. She became incontinent. She had no bowel control. The muscles in her throat were affected by the disease. She could barely talk. Her food had to be liquefied. And kid, she was actually like with kidney infections, was almost blind. And so this woman was pretty ill. She was bedridden. She'd be washed, fed, moved, changed. Everything had to be done for her. So she went on a pilgrimage to Knock on September the 3rd, 1989. That's just 21 years That's ago. All, yeah. And when she received communion, she looked at the statue of Our Lady and she says, You're a mother too. She says, You know, you know my problems. You can mm-hmm. cure me. Mm-hmm. And straight away she got this beautiful feeling. She said it's like a whispering breeze and she felt that if the stretcher was open that she could walk. So she didn't like to see anything inside in the basilica, causing it a bit of a fuss. Yes, she okay. waited until she got back to St. John's rescue centre. You know the, mm-hmm, the rescue centre right, there? Yeah. And she asked him to open the straps and the stretcher. So she walked, hopped out the stretcher, walked perfectly, John. And her husband was at home, you know, busy as could be, waiting for the ambulance to come back with her. Mm. And you can imagine when she walked out of the ambulance, John, the poor man nearly collapsed. <laughs> and she's going around Ireland at the moment giving talks and healing sessions and all this. And this has been all verified medically, John, you know, by medical commissions and all this.
0: Thanks, Billy God. As, mm-hmm. as, Bre- as Sister Breeze McKenna says, medicals do happen. Mm, yes, happen I right. think it may be, Michael, it's, it's an opportune time to give you a break. And for us maybe to take a bit of music and just reflect on some of the things you said. We'll come back again and speak a little bit more and knock. I know we've got Monsignor Horn and a few more people to speak about. But at this stage, we'll take a piece of music from James Coburn. It's from his album Heart to Heart. And I think very probably it's uh, entitled As I Kneel Before You. <laughs>
4: before you. As I bow my head in prayer, take this day, lay them.
0: to the third and final part of Sacred Space here in West Limit 102. My name is John Keely, and I'm joined today by Michael Keating. And Michael, you're really giving us a, a beautiful reflection on Nock's shrine and the apparitions and, and the surrounding events. And thank you very much indeed. Um, just a few little points there, Michael, in this last section. The Commission of Inquiry, briefly on yeah. that.
1: You know, John, when an apparition happens today, sometimes it can take 20, 30 years for an inquiry to be set up. <laughs> but in Nock, as I said before, things work very fast. Mm. Six weeks after the apparition, Archbishop Michael of Chum set up a commission of inquiry. It was only in six weeks, and mm. he said, "Is the commission's report as the testimony, Uh, taken as a whole, was trustworthy and satisfactory when he interviewed the witnesses.
0: And then I think there was also a witness interviewed in New York, I think. Yeah, in 1936
1: there was a second commission set up. At that stage there was only three divisionaries alive in 1936. So one of them was interviewed in New York. Yes. But Mary Borden, she was on her deathbed and she was interviewed. So she said, "I'm quite clear about everything I have said, and I make this statement knowing I'm going before my God." She said. She died six weeks later.
0: So she she reiterated. She reiterated she again said, in 1936
1: I, what she had said in 1879.
0: And so moving on then from Knock, I mean, obviously the pilgrimage has started to happen and so on and so forth. And and then I know we we have so little time. We will have to jump right the way forward now to to that big guy, Mansingh. Well, I suppose you if
1: Knock started with an extraordinary Paris, please, John a second yes. you know, extraordinary parish priest, you know, came to knock. And that was Monsignor Horden. You know, he was at the end of 1936. He came as a cure to knock in 1963. And in 1967, he was made parish priest. And I think one of his comments sums it all up, John. He said on the television one night, I'm an old man in a hurry, he said. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. <laughs> this man, nothing was impossible to him. He just built and he didn't worry about payment the money came in you know everything he stopped yes. he bought land there's a wonderful story John talked about he tried buying a pub that was in the middle of the grounds that the publican wouldn't sell it yeah. so one night about 3 o'clock like in the morning he eventually agreed to sell it he got the solicitor and the secretary out of bed and he had the contact signed before eight <laughs> o'clock in the morning because your man was change his mind in the yes, morning. Yes, yes, Because he was responsible for building the basilica, knock, you know, which was, you know, incredible Thank to build a massive basilica, knock. And he was involved in the Pope's trip, knock, in nineteen seventy-nine. He was the organizer of all that in you knock in nineteen seventy-nine. And of course, then and he course was very
0: much involved then with the airport.
1: This, yeah, this was his. <laughs> there was his greatest achievements. There was a certain Teutich
0: around at that particular time
1: who seems it was a funeral John in knock and. Charlie Hawley and a couple of the Ministers were at it, and the Monsignor invited them to dinner. Yeah. So when he heard Charlie at dinner, he said, by the way, Charlie said, there's one thing we need in NARC, he said. And Charlie said, oh, no problem, what is it, he no said. No problem, no problem. He said, we need an airport, he said. So Charlie said, no problem, but Charlie talked, he meant a small regional <laughs> airport. <laughs> So the following day, Monsignor Horton went to the press and he announced there was an airport granted for Knock, <laughs> An international airport. Pugliel Charlie was in trouble. So I think we were all old enough to remember the six o'clock news. Uh, yeah. And he had the runway built. And they asked him what he was doing. He said, I'm building an airport. And he said, Everyone you money? he said, but I'm worry <laughs> about money. money. I've, already got the,
0: I've already got the runway going. And of course,
1: he was in the first flight out of Knock. And unfortunately, his coffin, was the first to come back to him. In 1963, he died, was he, No, he, was, he came to Knock in 1963. A, right. But the third of, um, sorry, 1986, the first of August, it he died an, suddenly in the pilgrimage to Lewis. Yeah, in the pilgrimage to Lewis. He, his work done, because he said he was in a hurry. But he was so, <laughs> made, yes, he
0: was so meant to make money. You know? I mean, I can remember going in that runway. Mm-hmm. They used to charge us two quid to N- have a run in the runway. But anyway, besides that, and then, of course, the Pope's visit to Knock.
1: Yeah, 1979. 1979. That was the highlight. Now that was the centenary of Knock, and of course the Pope presented Knock with the golden rose and the real seal of approval from the Vatican. You know that Knock was authentic, and he said it was the um, goal of his pilgrimage style to just uh, come to Knock. Mm.
0: And of course, um, you're very much involved with with, with a pilgrimage that's uh, about to take place from West Limerick here to go to Knock.
1: Yeah, our ladies Pastilleerya, John. Okay, And with uh, s- seven parishes in the area Okay. Newcastle West, Mahuna, some um, colour abroad for the Phoenix Media, Kilmeedy, Moniguee, Alta Kerry. So the pilgrimage going on the thirteenth of June.
0: Thirteenth of June, okay. Yeah. And Which if anybody a...
1: wants to go on that pilgrimage, contact, you know, the local parish priest or their pastoral representative on the group.
0: And now that you've really got them, got the, or whetted their appetite. Mm-hmm. No doubt that people will be really doing a little bit of research now, maybe before. Th- and maybe yeah. those who even can't go to Knock on this particular trip. I mean, later on during the summer, they might be able to pay, to pay a little bit of a, a trip up there. And maybe appreciate Knock that. A little bit yeah. better now, Mike, from what you've told us. Yeah,
1: is it the one thing, John, about any apparition, you know, we can go to Fatima and we can see the scenery. But if uh, we can go to Knock to look at the grounds and the basilica and we can come over and say it's beautiful. But... Mm. We must put some little effort into studying what actually happened there, and it will mean so much more. You know, when we study about the Lamb of God, and then you see the apparition site above, and the Lamb and the altar, Mm-mm. it would mean an awful lot more. John.
0: And of course, then, because we know that Our Lady is praying for us and there to help us, I mean, we could, and should, be asking Our Lady to help us to understand the message.
1: Of course, yeah. And also an to bring our intentions You know, with us to knock. We all have plenty of intentions to pray for. And I think one of the greatest intentions at this stage is for our country and our government and the way it's going, everything that's needed. And our priests, of course, and our church.
0: Very much so. And I think, didn't our lady do that in 1879 when they were in dire straits? And we're we're in very similar sort of, well, not -hmm. not, not similar, but we certainly need Mm -hmm. a little bit of help at this stage. I know we have to leave it slightly now at the moment, Mike, because uh, the times got up with us. That was a brilliant hour you gave us there. Thank you very much indeed. But before we go from the programme, I'll let you in for one last word in a second. We have one or two little notices that we have to make. You've already mentioned about the about the trip to Knock. Lorraine, have you got something there for about the Corpus Christi? Yes. Uh,
4: next weekend, as you've already mentioned, John, is Corpus Christi weekend. So our ladies' Pastoral area, again, of the seven parishes of Newcastle West, Mahuna, Finikilmeedy,
0: Monagee, Ardacurry, Kerry, Drumcoler, Broadford, and Kilidi—they're holding forty hours adoration, which is a beautiful way to prepare for the feast. It will take place in Castlemahan Church um, next weekend. That's June the fourth to the sixth volunteers are asked to sign their names on the rota in the back of each of those churches, just so that we know that all of the hours are covered. I know you mentioned, John, that people had mentioned to you that we had kind of moved away from the gospel a little bit Mm-mm. for the month of May. But Our Lady was always pointing us back to Jesus. <laughs> she was. And I think that that's where the message came through today. when Absolutely. we Absolutely. John, St. John there. Also, um, just a few, one or two little things down here. And I know that something here in front of me, which I'll find. Um, I know that there is, I, oh yeah, there's a NAC, uh, summer festival, um, 2010. It's the, it's for the young people aged between 18 and 35. They're very exclusive, Michael. We're not allowed into that club mm-hmm. by the looks of things. 18 mm-hmm. to 35, and the 25th to the 27th of June. And over the three days in NAC, there will be talks, workshops, drum. Dance, prayer, music, and reflection. It's a great opportunity to step out of the business of life to question, explore, ignite, celebrate your faith. The festival costs is 70 euros, but this includes food, accommodation, and access to all that's happening. And music is by elation ministers. So that's something else that's happening and not very opportune to mention that. One last thing, because um, this is Trinity Sunday, I thought it appropriate to mention that in one of our uh, parishes here uh, in the diocese, uh, Drum and Atalaca, uh, this evening at 7.30, there is Trinity Sunday celebrations at the at the well over there. Michael, just before we go and we play it with a piece of music, would you like to just give us one little...
1: Well, I suppose, John... What comes to my mind is that, you know, sometimes when we think of apparitions, we think of them happening out far maybe, you know, Fatima, Lourdes or Medjugorje. And but we have one of the most unique apparitions in the whole world, John, right on our doorstep, mm-hmm. right in Knox. So maybe just encourage people to read about Knox, study a little bit about it and to make a visit there during the summer, if at all possible.
0: A beautiful way to finish off. Mm -hmm. Michael, thank you very much indeed for your effort today and also your effort previously with Our Lady of Fatima. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Johnny. It was a pleasure.
0: It was so so prayerfully told to us. And also uh, Lorraine for producing the programme. Thank you very much indeed.
3: You're very welcome.
0: I tell you, she, 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 she's doing very good now these days. Okay, uh, my, my name is John Healy. We have to go. Thank you very much indeed for all those people who are giving us encouragement. We'd like to leave you with this piece of music uh, maybe as a last, little, uh, I, uh, a last little chance just to reflect on what Michael's just said. It's a song that we all know. It's A Lady of Knock. It's sung by Diana from our, her album Lady of Knock Collection. So until next week, God bless now. Bye-bye. <laughs>
3: Where people of all ages Gathered round the gable wall Poor and humble men women Little children that you call We are gathered here before you And our hearts are just the same Filled with joy at such a vision as we praise your name, Golden Roar. and the truth I try to find. Here I stand with John the teacher and with you. Trouble see.